0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: Take out your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to try to look at... a. A passage today and a topic that hopefully will offend everyone. And uh, so we will start that right away. Well, this has been a crazy time in our country really for the last year, year and a half or so. Ever since the presidential election started over a year ago, our country has been really divided and divided almost at an angry uh, basis. It was Uh, Are you for Trump or Clinton? Are you Republican or Democrat? Uh, And we begin to uh, break down and divide along those things. Then we argued about health care and Russia and tweeting and fake news. Uh, And then there were statues and hurricanes and fires in Southern California and just one thing after another. Until we got to the point where I believe in my lifetime and I'm getting... Uh, up there a little bit, uh, but in my lifetime, I believe this is the most polarized and divided our nation has ever been since I've been alive. And it's really very, very sad. And when you get that polarized, you know, it used to be we could disagree and still respect the other piece of people's opinion. We're not at that stage today. If you don't agree with me on my politics and how I view the world, then you're a bad person. Uh, you're, you're probably uh, anti-American, and you surely can't be a Christian if you don't agree with me. And so that's the point we've gotten to, is where we doubt everything about the other person if they don't agree with us totally. And the fact of the matter is, nobody's ever going to agree with you Totally. If you think somebody's going to agree with you totally and you're married, look at your spouse right now and ask them, do you agree with me totally? And uh, see what answer you get back because it's probably not the one that you're going to expect. And then when we become that polarized and that divided, that's when the crazies take over. Because you no longer have people in the middle trying to bring everybody together. You have the extremes on both sides pulling everybody apart. And that's where we've been from Charlottesville to Phoenix to Berkeley, uh, as we've seen the extremes uh, tearing our country even more and more apart. So this morning, we're going to look into Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to talk about what's the solution to all of this for Christians, because there is a solution, and you might not want to hear it, but there is a very easy solution for Christians, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, a way that the church should bring unity and hope and love and peace to our country. Now in Ephesians chapter two, Paul is talking about uh, how we're saved and how that salvation comes apart. And the first thing we see is this, you, re- you need to remember how you got where you are right now. So you're sitting in a church and you're wearing nice clothes. You feel like you're a good person. You're saved, you're following God. You're better than other people now. You're a good guy good gal, whatever, you know, uh, you're a good person. But remember how you got where you are. Look down to verse eight, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. For it is by grace you have been saved through your faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. So how did you get where you are? How did you get in this room now? What happened that caused you to become a Christian with a different viewpoint, hopefully a different lifestyle, a different perspective? It wasn't anything you did yourself. You are not saved because you are good enough to be saved. As a matter of fact, if anyone in this room thinks that's how you're saved, I'm going to be a good person and that will save me. What you need to know is your efforts to save yourself is going to send you to hell. You cannot be good enough to earn salvation. We all mess up. We all do things that are wrong on a continual basis. And if, if your good works are going to be what save you, then it's just gonna take you further and further away. Two things happen when we try to justify ourselves by good works. The first thing that happens is that we end up messing up all the time and then we just feel guilty. I'm never gonna mess up. I'm never gonna get it right. I'm always feeling guilty. The second thing that happens is every once in a while, you'll get it right for a couple of weeks. And when you get it right for a couple of weeks, then you start feeling like, well, I'm just better than everybody else. I'm good and none of the rest of you are. It's a trap. Look back to verse two again. We're told very directly, verse eight again, we're told very directly at at the end of verse nine, it's not by works. Your works cannot bring you to heaven. So if works can't do it, what if I believed all the right things? What if I said, okay, I'm going to go to heaven because I believe all the right stuff. Well, that's not going to happen either. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul, who probably understood a little bit more about the Bible than we do, Paul said, the best I can do is look through a glass darkly when it comes to God. I don't understand nearly uh, as much as I should. So none of us are going to understand everything about God. God is infinite and all-powerful and almighty. So if you think that the way you're going to be saved is by believing all the right things, well, God's going to constantly be challenging you and testing you and revealing to you. It's never going to work that way. So then how are we saved? Remember uh, how it happened. Verse 8, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, a gift of God, not of works. No one can boast. God gave you a free gift when you did not deserve it, when you didn't believe the right things, when you weren't living the kind of life you should have lived. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. So we begin to say, okay, then how did I get where I am? It was a free gift of God. That's what grace means. God gave me an undeserved free gift simply because he loved me. And that's how you're saved. That's how we got where we are now, not our good works, not our right beliefs, but Jesus dying on the cross to forgive us when we didn't deserve it. That's how we got where we are. You know, uh, we had a special prayer time a few minutes ago for Texas. Uh, and uh, as we were praying, it made me think about J.J. Watts and uh, J.J. Watts. Uh, I don't know if you, you've seen what he did, but right when everything first came about with the hurricane He said, you know, I realize that I'm only the person I am today, have the money I have today and the fame I have today because I played for the Houston Texans. And he said, so I really appreciate that. And so I'm going to try to raise a half a million dollars for hurricane relief. Well, guess how much he's raised now? Over 10 million dollars. It just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. But it all started with, I know how I got where I am. And it's not by me doing something. It's by other people. That's how you got where you are in Christ. That brings us to the second thing. And the second thing is, all right, how'd you get where you are? But the, who did you used to be? Okay, I know where you are now. You're sitting right here. You're sitting right here and looking up and saying, Chip, you look pretty snazzy in, in, that, in that Ralph Lauren shirt up there right now, you know. And uh, just so you know, I couldn't wear this shirt last year. Yeah, no, it's, I did own it, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, you get a couple of, of uh, essential organs taken out, you lose weight. I mean, it's just, if I could get another taken out, I'd be in really good shape. That's just, that's just how it is. So how did, who did you used to be? Look down to verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Wow. Verse 12 paints a pretty good picture of who we used to be. And it's pretty depressing. First, it says at one point you were separated from Christ. At one point you were away from God. You didn't know God. You didn't believe in God. You didn't care about God. You were separated from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You weren't a part of the family. Before you were saved, you didn't think about coming to church or setting this room or worshiping God. You were excluded from the family. You were foreigners to the covenant of promise. In other words, you you weren't going to heaven. You weren't saved. Uh, You were without hope. Because if you, have, if you don't have God in your life, if you're an atheist, if you don't believe, then you believe I'm going to live 80, 90 years if I'm lucky. I'm going to die right in the ground and that's the end of it. Nothing mattered before, nothing's going to matter since. And so you're without hope and you're without God in the world. So that's who we used to be, every person in this room. Before you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were away from God and without hope. But that's when God intervened and we go back to point number one. Jesus died on the cross. He forgave you of your sins. He redeemed you to God and it changed everything about you. And that's how you got where you are right now. Look around this room right now. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find male and female. You're going to find young and old. You're going to find rich and poor. You're going to find very liberal Democrats and very conservative Republicans. They're all in this room together. You're going to find people from different countries, people from different denominations. How do we all get in this one room together? Seems like a fairly uneasy alliance uh, that you would have with all these people in the same room at the same time. But that's because we remember who we used to be. We remember that none of us are here because we deserve it or because we're good. We're here because Jesus loved us and died for us. We remember how we got here and we remember who we used to be. Probably most of you know George Clooney is from Kentucky, uh, northern Kentucky area. And uh, in 2008, he did a movie Leatherheads. And uh, he's, he demanded that the movie have its world premiere in northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area where he was raised. And then he brought everybody from the film to this area. He invited everybody he knew, all of his former teachers from kindergarten on up, all of his friends, people who he hadn't talked to since uh, he was in elementary school with him were getting engraved invitations. And uh, he said, I just wanted everybody to know I remembered where I came from and I appreciated it. So that's the first two things we see. Remember how you got where you are and remember who you used to be. None of us deserve to be here. We're all saved by God's grace. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. And this is where it all starts getting pulled together. Jesus is the bridge that brings everyone together. Jesus is the bridge that brings everyone together. So let's uh, start looking now in our scripture passage. Look down to verse 13. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, who you, who, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's a very essential verse as we move forward. Because this is what it says. Jesus dying on the cross, the blood of Christ that was shed to forgive you, that blood becomes the bond that holds the church together. There's a lot of things that could tear us apart. If we got groups together and said to be in church together, we all have to agree on politics. Do you think we'd have the people we have right now? What if I said we all have to agree on, uh, on, on uh, basketball and who we're going to cheer for? That wouldn't work very far either. Anybody here have a spouse uh, that cheers for a different team than you do? Raise your hand. Why aren't you all divorced then? That's the question that I have. Because something else is bonding you together. Something that is more important than that. And we're told here that it's the blood of Jesus that bonds us together. The blood of Jesus becomes the super glue that puts various diverse people with nothing in common at all in a room as brothers and sisters. And it holds us together. Keep reading verse 14. He himself is our peace. He's made two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There are a lot of barriers in this room right now. There are a million things that could separate us, but he has become our peace through his sacrifice, and he's made us one people. And it's greater than anything in this world out there could have or could tear apart. It brings us together. Two groups who were once hostile towards one another, he says, are now at peace as one because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 15. By setting aside in his face the law with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. He's taking the most hostile, diverse people in the world and bringing them together as one humanity because they now have something different. They now have God and the Holy Spirit inside of them. They have now been brought together through the blood of Jesus. And that holds us together and makes one new people. Verse 16. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, he has put to death their hostility. My goodness, there is hostility in our country today. So how and why does it change when we walk in this room? Because we have a different set of priorities. We see the world differently. None of us deserve to be here. We all mess up. We're all here because God loves us and forgives us. That hostility, that division has been put aside and we're now reconciled into one body that we call the church. God has brought us all together for this reason. And then finally, verse 18, for through him we have both access to the father by one spirit. All of us are saved by the same father. All of us have the same Holy Spirit. You know what that means? The blood of God runs through you and the blood of God runs through everybody else in this room and that makes them your brother and sister. I, read an, uh, I heard an interesting thing on, the, on E! News this week, and I have to watch that stuff so I can keep up with all y'all's um, good illustrations, you know, and everything. And uh, it was talking about the Jenners, Kylie and Kendall Jenner. And Kylie Jenner said this, Kendall and I are nothing alike. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't be friends if we weren't sisters. I wouldn't like her at all, but she's the best friend I have in the earth because she is my sister. Anybody here look at your brother and sister and think, I don't know if I would like them very much if they weren't my brother and sister. And yet, because they are your brother and sister, you would literally die for them. And that's what's going on in this room right now. You see, we may be apart a in a lot of different ways and divided by a lot of different things, but we've been brought together by one father and one spirit. You know, I was, uh, saw an interesting a story with the, the uh, uh, hurricane in Houston. There was a group of four bakers who were trapped in a bakery in Houston, couldn't get out. Now, now the oven and all the bakery supplies were on the second floor. And so they moved up to the second floor. Uh, they knew they was going to have to wait it out. And so they started trying to think, what are we going to do? We're just stuck here, you know. no electricity, no power, uh, hardly going on, Uh, what can we do? Well, they knew they could throw wood in and get their furnaces going again for the bakery. So they all day long for three days did nothing but bake bread. And when finally boats came by to rescue them, got a picture of them uh, right here. When boats came by to rescue them, they said, no, 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 we don't wanna go first. We've made bread for all of Houston. We made 4,000 pounds of flour into bread in the last three days. And that was one of the biggest relief efforts immediately after everything happened. Just because these guys were trapped and decided, well, we're all one here in Houston. We need to do something to pull together. Jesus brings everyone together. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. You're a part of God's family and it becomes your primary allegiance. You are part of God's family, and that becomes your primary allegiance. Look down at verse 19. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. You are fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household. At one time, the things of this world could have divided you. At one time, your politics and your economics and your view of the world and everything else could have divided you. But now you've been brought together, we're told, as one family. The church is a family under God. And together, we're supposed to be a family that loves and cares for one another. Keep reading down to verse 20. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. What holds this weird diverse group of people together that divides over everything in the world and probably couldn't agree on anything if we put you in a room and started talking about it? What holds you together is that Jesus Christ is your cornerstone. Jesus Christ is what pulls us together and holds us together and makes us a family. And then look at verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We have a mission and a purpose. You're more than just abstract people God has been putting in this room. You are here to make a difference in the world. You are the temple of God and you're supposed to make a difference. Look at verse 10. We skipped that verse a little bit earlier down to verse 10. It says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have a mission and we have a purpose when we walk into this room. And here's the thing, the mission and the purpose and the unity of this room is greater than anything that happens out there in the world. It is greater than anything. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care how you feel about fake news or anything else. I'm here to tell you what happens in this room is greater than that. Because what happens out there is temporary. Man, you may be the greatest supporter of the president in the world, or you might not like the president at all and hearing his name irritates you. Guess what? Presidents last for four to eight years and we get another one. I probably have had what? 12 presidents in my lifetime. Presidents come and go. Jesus Christ is eternal. This is your priority. This takes precedent over everything else in your life. What happens in here has to do with heaven and hell. What happens out there has to do with something that might affect your country for a year or two. It's not that it's not important. It's not that you don't need to be involved in it. But this takes precedent. This is greater. The church has to look at this place and see unity and love and forgiveness of people who would never get along out there in the world. Because there's something more important going on in this room than ever goes on out there in the world. And that's what we need to understand. I've got two pictures I want you to see here. Look at that picture there for just a second. Just get look at the picture. Now look at the next picture that we have here. Do you think when those people were rescued that they said this? No, no, no. Before I get in the boat, are you a Democrat or a Republican? Do you think anybody said that? Do you think when they were lowering the basket down to pull somebody up, they said, wait a second, helicopter driver, are you white or black? Do you think anybody cared? Do you know why they didn't ask what your politics were? You know why they didn't ask what your gender was or your race was or how much money you made? Because it didn't matter. There was something more important going on. There were people whose lives were in danger and they were being saved. What you need to understand is in this world, there is something more important going on than your politics and your anger. What is going on is that there are people out there lost and going to hell. And the only hope they have is Jesus Christ. And it is so much more important than anything that we see out there in the world. When people look at Christians in the church, they need to see love, care, forgiveness. That's what they need to be seeing. Is that what they're seeing out of you? Go look at your Facebook posts. Is that what they're seeing out of you? Do people say, man, when you condemn me as a racist bigot or as a crazy liberal loon who doesn't believe in God, that really changed my viewpoint on that. Or do you think that people say, man, when I see you loving and caring, it makes all the difference in the world. This is simply more important. This is what the world needs more than anything else. The unity, the love of the church, it needs to be our priority over everything else that happens. I remember former church I pastored. uh, We had almost everybody on city council in the church, almost everybody on school board. One day uh, at the end of Sunday school, I was walking into church to preach and somebody grabbed me and said, well, two of the members of city council, two of the most prominent people in our city, are in the hallway screaming at each other about a vote this week. And I said, okay, I'll see. Now, you got to remember, I'm in my 20s at this time, you know. These are two very important people. I'll walk down the hallway, and they, uh, people are gathered around, and they're screaming at each other in the hallway. And I just kind of didn't behave, you know, as well as I could have. And I said, stop it. Just stop it. And then they both looked at me, and I said, I don't care what happened at the city council meeting. This is more important. And you need to stop it. And then I turned around and went back in the sanctuary. A few minutes later, they came up on the podium before I was going to preach. And I thought, oh, no, this ain't going to go good. And they walked up there and they said, we are so sorry. And you're right. And then those two guys who five minutes before had been yelling at each other in the hallway went and sat down together in a pew and worshiped. You see, we have to understand this has to be the place that brings people together. I'm not saying don't have your political views. I'm not saying don't support the candidates of your choice. What I am saying is this is more important though. And you're going to have to put up with people sometimes and you're going to have to have to bite your tongue and you're going to have to love people that are not lovable sometimes. But that's what Jesus called us to do because the mission of this church is greater than anything else that you'll ever come upon in this world. The mission of God takes priority over everything. So where does that leave us? Really, we look at a country that's divided, a country that's angry, people that can't get along. And we say, then we have to be the example. Then we have to be the ones that say, hey, a diverse group of people can come together and love one another and care for one another and help one another. You know, I don't think God caused the hurricane in Houston. I do think God's brought some good things out of the hurricane. God can bring good things out of anything. What are some of the good things he's brought? He's brought our country together. Uh, I would have never thought two weeks ago we would have everybody on the same page when it came to something in this country. But there have been people that now begin to say, hey, you know what? All this stuff that I've been getting irritated about, it's really not quite as important as I thought it was. And so what we need to do is to be the example, love, care, hope. That's what this place is all about. That's what the world needs to see. And that's going to start bringing people in because they're going to say, hey, they didn't ask what my politics was. They just wanted to love and care for me. And that drew me in a time when there's so much anger and so much division. Let the church be what unifies. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you saved us when we didn't deserve it. Father, help us to live a life that shows that. In Jesus' name.
0: hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m.,